Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. <laughs> I met a random man yesterday in the street as I come out of the shop. And he says, you're PJ. I said, yeah, yeah. Um, just want to say thanks. Thanks? Yeah, for bringing home some nice weather. Ah. Oh, my pleasure. And hopefully it'll stay with us until the weekend and beyond. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96 and 083 396 96 96. The numbers to get in touch, particularly with voice notes on the WhatsApp. Seeing some tweets of... People complaining with gridlock and delays and confusion and whatever you're having yourself with regard to the new traffic arrangements. We had Dan Boyle on yesterday morning. I watched the video, I'd say, a half a dozen times to try to figure out exactly what was going on. I thought that by the end of the programme yesterday, I had a good handle on it and I was able to try to help people to explain what was going on. But still, and we were saying it's coming in a month before the schools or a few weeks before the schools, it's got time to bed down. Seeing people complaining this morning, particularly about Brian Baru Bridge, and the new arrangements in and around Brian Baru Bridge, and it's been quite problematic, and hearing of gridlock, and hearing of backlogs, and hearing of backup. So, where you caught in it, what was it like? Uh, pop us a voicemail if you don't have time to make a call. 083 396 96 All I can think about if it's like this on a bright, sunny morning in August with no school traffic on the road. What is it going to be like on a dirty, filthy, wet Thursday in late November when it's still half dark? What's it going to be like? It doesn't even bear thinking about. But then again, maybe it'll all be grand. You don't really know until you suck these things and see. Where you're cutting it. Do please 
let me know. Something else that I want to hear about this morning. There was a story in one of the newspapers yesterday, and I thank my lucky stars I'm out of this bracket. Fiona was telling me she's not out of this bracket by a long chalk. But people are spending an absolute fortune on summer camps. Like three grand on summer camps to keep the kids entertained. Have you been on the summer tra- summer camp trail, summer camp circuit with your kids? How much has has it cost you? That and plenty more. But first, Cloda got in touch. And Cloda was very upset when she got in touch. Um, she had been out with her friend and they'd been for lunch, her friend and their kids, in one particular premises. And then the friend said, look, I've got to go and collect something at another premises. Uh, and uh, I'll be a few minutes there. Do you want to come along? So she came along and her friend went off to go about her business. And Cloda went to wait in, in this pub. The, the, the friend was in the pub doing some business. I don't know what that was about. It's not relevant. She was collecting something. But Cloda was waiting for her. So, Cloda, you went into a, a well-known pub. We're not going to name the pub at this point in time. You had a somewhat unpleasant experience with your, your little lad. What happened? Yeah, which I never, ever bring out, and no wonder I don't. Um, he's actually, do you know what, he's, he's non-verbal, he's six, he has autism. Hmm. Um, he, I brought him into the pub, and I was waiting on my friend, and... I sat down with him and he was claiming the seats and he said, can you try not do that? You you just bought a drink and you were waiting for your friend, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So he said, can you try not do that? And I goes, do what? And he goes, claim the seats. Like, he goes, he shouldn't be claiming the seats. And I goes, sorry, he actually has autism. He goes, no, that's grand, that's grand. He goes, well, he's slapping on the pictures there on the wall. He goes, if one of them breaks, he goes, that's coming out of my pocket, like. Mm. And I said, okay, I goes, he has autism. I goes, he's not going to break anything. I goes, he's actually doing no harm to anyone. Mm. And he said, um, well, he goes, if he has autism, like maybe he shouldn't be in this environment. And I said, sorry, I go say that again. And he goes, if he has autism, why are you bringing him into this environment? I goes, so I can't bring my son into a pub. I goes, because he has autism. Is that what you're saying? Not saying that at all, like, but like, like, he, like he's smacking on uh, the pictures on the wall. He goes, what if he smashes one of them? And I said, but like, I go, like, I goes, like, what are you trying to say? I goes, you're discriminating against my son. And he goes, if that's what the way you want to take it, take it that way. He shouldn't be in this environment. Oh, I didn't care. I left my drink and I goes, come on. I goes, come on, we're going. And I was snapping like, <laughs> what yeah. to expect? So you hadn't been that long in the pub and, and the little lad, what, 10 minutes? He was climbing up on the seat. Thousands of children climb up on. It's part of being six, let alone the autism. It's yeah. part of being six to climb seats. He was doing no harm to anyone, PJ. No harm. Yeah. yeah. There was only one local, literally one local in the same room as me. So there was nobody there. Like. Yeah. So I was in the, I don't know if it's the lounge or what. There was other people in the other side of the pub, if you get me. So that was probably the bar. Yeah. I was in the kind of lounge area and there was a match on. And one man was looking at the match and my son was claiming the seats. But, I mean, like, he was literally doing no harm to anyone. 
yeah. He was tapping on the pictures. Yeah. That's what he does. Like, you know, he's all sensory. Yes. So he was tapping on the pictures on the wall. And he said, um, if one of them smashes, like, it's coming out of my pocket, like. Yeah. And I was like, wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. So you just got up and left? I, I Like, I have to say now, I was very hot-headed, but that's my son. I don't take him out, and no wonder I don't. Does he struggle to sit, sit still sometimes? Yeah, he does. Yeah. He does. He doesn't sit, sit still at all, like. Yeah. I mean, like, I never bring him out. Like, I actually never bring him out. Never. I know. He's a flight risk. He's, you know, he's all this, like, and, like... He'd be a bolter, would he? Yeah, oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, it's very tough, PJ. I know a few of my own boys' friends would have been bolters over the years, That's and that's a nightmare. You're you're on your guard all the time, like. Yeah, that's why I'd never, I'd never bring him to anywhere like that like you know hmm. I just bring him to playgrounds or fields that he can run around and stuff like that I'd never bring him into a pub you know yeah, yeah. when your friend came back after collecting what she went to collect did you say to her um, well, she came back in the middle of me snapping hmm. and she was like what's after happening like and I said I told her like hmm. and she was like come on we're gone so and yeah I was crying outside the pub, like, I was devastated that someone would take my child like that, like, you know, know. it just really, really hurt me. It I did. Oh, yeah, no, I can, I can identify. I can identify that, you know, yeah. when you say he has autism, there's a better way to respond than, than yeah. the response you got. He shouldn't be in this environment, so I was like, what? You could say something like, any chance you just keep an eye on him in case he damages the stuff on the wall just keep an eye on him kind yeah. of thing there are a lot, there are 101 nicer ways to say it yeah 100% yeah how is he in general does he go to school yeah I um, I had to fight hard already for a school placement for September but he, uh, thankfully my gosh St. Gabriel's in Bishopstone great place great place uh, do you know him he can, yeah he'll be there for years and years which is brilliant yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know what Claudia let me tell you something when he goes out there one of the things they do is they're brilliant at yeah. sort of teaching him to sit still for a little while yeah and then, uh, he was in Sonus for two years they were so so good for them I mean like even like at home like I was you know like teaching him to sit still and he would he would name at the table and stuff mm. like that mm. but I always said it to his teacher um, that they really helped with that they did hmm. now I can't do it in a pub because he's not used to pubs to get me so he he went into a place unknown yes. and he just kind of ran around you know he was just you know yeah. he was unfamiliar and, you know as, as he gets older Claudia you'll you learn little tricks you'll you learn things like yeah. for argument's sake never going into a pub unless there's a He's got a packet of crisps you can give him that he'll sit that was and. Probably his first time in the pub. I know. To be I know, honest, I know. I know. I, know, I, know. Do, I, I don't bring him out. I don't. I never. I never kind of go into public settings with him. I yeah. Because you don't know how he's going to behave. Yeah. 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 That's hard. Because you you got to you got to get a life for yourself as well, which is which is difficult. I'm sorry that happened to you. Thank you for respecting that we can't name the pub just now, but I'm sorry it happened to you. There were 101 ways to talk to someone about a child like that and that wasn't one of them yeah 100% my friend did say alright when she went 
back in. I actually, when I went in, I goes, can you charge my phone, please? And I ordered a drink, whatever. And my friend said, once you went back in for my phone, because I goes, go, go back in for my phone. I can't, I can't even face him. She said that he was looking a bit, you know, mm. he knew that he'd done wrong, like. Clodagh, thanks a million. PJ, thanks. That's Clodagh's story. Colour says, I feel there's two things to learn here. I can understand where the man's coming from because he could have been worried about health and safety. Secondly, it just goes to show we need more safe places for children with needs like autism. Maybe bars could have a special area that's designed for children like this little boy. thing about it is, little boys and little girls, you take them into a place like a pub, they're not going to sit down and, and sit quietly and wait while you wait or do what you need to do. They're going to get active and they're going to get fidgety and they're going to climb on chairs. That's what they do. It was the way the guy spoke to Clodagh that bothered her more than anything else. Bernie says, why should any place looking for your business treat your son like that, the child you raise and love? There was a lady on from Germany yesterday who had very nice things to say about how Ireland deals with additional needs. I just hope we won't be saying God love her when she comes with stories like that. Kate says, my friend had a meal in a fast food restaurant. Her kid lives with autism and was fidgeting and was restless. One of the staff was watching them very closely. And my friend said, he's my problem, what's yours? It was very embarrassing. I think you have to challenge it each time or things won't change. Any thoughts on, on what happened to Cloda and more particularly the way that the guy brought the problem to her? It wasn't so much that he was saying, look, he, there's a, like I said, there's a hundred ways he could have said, look, get it, it's fine. Just make sure he doesn't damage anything. Just keep an eye on him. Make sure he doesn't damage anything. That'd be great. Thanks a lot. Would that be all right? Thanks. That's no problem. Thanks. There's so many nicer ways to have done it. So many nicer. On the traffic arrangements, Declan said they're a farce gridlock going down Summerhill this morning. Two cars getting through the lights at a time. And there are no schools even back yet. This is one of the main arteries into the city in the morning and onto the South Link for people on the north side. What are they thinking? 0818 96 96 96 Ready to go. Showtime. Showtime. Thanks for all your nominations and votes in the Cork's 96FM Best of Cork Awards. Now, it's time to reveal your favourites. Stay listening Tuesday evening as we reveal this year's winners. The Best of Cork Awards with localheroes.ie for trusted tradespeople with a 12-month warranty backed by Board Gosh Energy. Only on Cork's 96FM. Just come back to that story there for a minute. Uh, your thoughts on summer camps. And I guess with, with back to school in a couple of weeks summer camps are coming to an end now or else maybe they're very busy like I said I, I don't really know anymore I remember they were costly things in my time um, but it looks as if they're even more costly now hard pressed parents forking out up to 3,000 euro to keep their children entertained in summer camps over the long break wow that's that's a lot of money for two children who attend primary school Eight weeks of summer camp would be over two grand. This is according to an article in the Irish Independent. I'd like to know what summer camps have cost you this summer. If you don't have to tell me what they were or where they were, you can if you want to. But how much did they cost? And, and what was the alternative? 
because I guess you have to find some way to occupy the kids, particularly if you're working. That was our situation. We let them go to summer camp uh, because we were working and they needed somewhere to be and whatever. But why do people... It costs an awful lot of money. It costs a hell of a lot of money. So if there's any thoughts that you have, 0818969696. Now, Sharon, we, we talked before, you and I, uh, last year sometime, uh, about your, your adventure with, with the gastric bypass and, and how well you've done and all that. You're still doing very well, I believe. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Hi. Yes, I am. And PJ, just to let you know, you're in the company of three beautiful ladies down here in Shirley's Boutique, uh, Shirley's Beauty Clinic in Glanmire. We're getting our nails done. Morning, so, all. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> yeah, listen, um, yeah, no, I'm doing very well. Um, the operation has been a huge success and to the extent that it just transformed my life. And I've undergone another um, thing off my bucket list. I'm going to partake in a a skydive in aid of Marymount yeah. Hospice. So yeah. I've been in touch with them yesterday. We've set the I donate up in motion. And basically my goal is to raise eleven thousand euros for Marymount. So it all depends on the lovely people out there how how soon I reach it really is when yeah. I'm going to be doing the jump. Let's break it down. Why eleven thousand euro particularly? It's a specific figure. Okay. Um with me it's all about numbers, right? My mother died in November uh, 2011 so November was the 11th month uh, the year was 2011 Dara my son was 11 when mum passed this year he's 22 you know I got my bypass in November 2020 so break it down again the 11th month take out the two zeros it's 22 you know so <laughs> there's a lot around the number 11 and I am superstitious so for me to reach 11,000 it's like yeah you know, yeah, I've very, done it for her. There, there's a thing about right. 11, actually. I had a friend one time who would only ever meet me for coffee at 11 minutes past two or, or 11 minutes really? to three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, weird. and it's numerology, you know, it's, it's new, numerology or something. Sorry, yeah. I can't pronounce it, but You're mommy right. is dead 11 years this year as well. And I know, like like every charity, everybody is struggling, and I know Marymount are struggling. So yeah. it was my opportunity to give back. And PJ, when I say, no, I can't go up a ladder for you, I cannot go up a ladder. Like, oh, so really? I'm afraid of heights and I'm afraid of flying. So combine the two, and it's for a good cause. So as soon as I get to 11,000, I is jumping out of a plane. So getting into the plane is going to be as hard for you as jumping out of it. Oh, Christ. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, my son, Dara, who's 22, he's doing it with me. And by hook or by crook, he'll get me there. He'll get me on yeah. the plane and he'll get me out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a beautiful moment between uh, mother and son as well. And to honour my mother and to honour my mum. Fabulous. Now, you want to do it. You're all set to do it. Your problem is how to go about it. You're not 100% sure, Correct. are you? Yeah. No, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I've now Marymount sent me the link to um, idonate.ie. So every cent goes directly to them, which I was kind of nervous about. I didn't know how to set it up, how to transfer it over. So it's out of my hands. It's with idonate.ie and it's directly into Marymount account, which is amazing. So everything goes to the guys. Um, so for me now, it's just basically get the venue and get the time. Time is down to when I raise the 11,000 euros. Listeners or friends or 
I have my own Instagram page, Life of Mrs. O. It's down to how people are going to be sadists about it. It could be jumping next month or I'm going to leave it a few months for it to grow to 11,000. Yeah. So but you don't, you don't necessarily, do you know how to go about getting a plane, getting a venue, getting, do you know any of it? No. No. No, no, no. I am researching. No, um, if anybody uh, knows anything about it, they can go over onto my page and send me a DM. Um, but um, I know, I think Shannon Airport um, does it, but I want to know, you know, what's the best conditions and therefore. So once I set the date, the date is set. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. So you need someone literally to come and say, right, Sharon, here's what you want to do. Well, here's how we go about yeah. doing it. Correct. Yeah, so any help at all would be hugely appreciated. Um, and my main goal is to get to the 11,000 again, all about the numbers. Um, you know, it's a good cause and hopefully we can do it, PJ. Hopefully we can do it. I think it would be great if you could. There must be, I mean, there yeah. must, there are, you, you wouldn't be the first person to have done a skydive for charity, uh, much less to have no. done it for Marymount. Mary, do Marymount know how you go about doing it? If you ask them. Um, I haven't asked them, no, actually. No, literally, literally, I've been thinking about this for the last two weeks. Again, the number thing, I was crossing off on Crikey Mammy's level years, da, 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 And then I just, I'm that kind of person. If I get something into my hand, I just go and do it like. Well, you know, you know what you so do now? Here's here's the first stop yeah. for you. And if we, if anyone's listening to us who'd, who'd be able to help you and, and can get you the first step on the ladder up into the plane, then that'd be great. Why don't you wait until, what day is today? Today is the... Eighth, ninth? The why, ninth. Right. Yeah. Why don't you, on Thursday morning, the 11th, right, pick, oh, pick up the phone, it. Thursday morning, the 11th, pick up the phone to the fundraising office in Marymount and say, listen, I want to do this. Thanks for setting up the I donate. How do I go about getting on a plane? Perfect. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe if someone... I love it. Maybe if someone else has an idea of how you go about it, because people in this building have pilot licenses, so maybe someone somebody knows how you get just get started. But Thursday being the 11th, yeah. maybe you get your answer. Oh, Fergal's talking to someone right now, I'm told. Oh, really? Fergal's talking to someone right now. Listen, would you do something for me, Sharon? Would you give us the, num- the, the name of your I Donate page? Yeah, it's um, Sharon Amani. Um, that's basically what it is and my Instagram handle is Life of Mrs. O I have a link on it so if they go onto my page and DM me I'd be absolutely delighted okay okay Life of Mrs. O can I just make one request whoever is going to jump out the plane with me is a fine strapping man or woman who can hold me that's my only thing like I am so nervous preferably someone born in November (laughs) oh yeah born in November <laughs> or maybe if they've done it 11 times. 11, do you know, 11 times, born in November, PJ, we're onto something. <laughs> yeah, we're onto something. No, All I right. think it's time. You know what's going to happen, Sharon, right? I mean, as I said, Fergal is talking to someone right now who may know more. I would suggest that you call Mary Mount on Thursday the 11th if you haven't found out by from then. Uh, yes. Okay, okay. Uh, Fergal is talking to someone. A bit tied up at the moment, but we'll see. We'll see where we go. If we can set something up, will we call you back? Absolutely. That'd be Absolutely. great. And if yeah, we can, we'll set anything. you. We'll, we'll we'll call you back at eleven minutes past or eleven minutes to just to see if we can make it all work out. <laughs> 
All right. You're a superstar. Thank you, All, right. All right, Sharon, take Thank care. You. Cheers. Bye bye. Sharon O'Mahony, Life of Mrs. O on Instagram. The whole thing with 11. I, I get it, kind of get it. I had a friend one time who um, would meet you for coffee at 11 minutes past two or 11 minutes to three or 22 minutes past four. It ha- just this thing with the number 11 a lot of people seem to have it now with Sharon it's because of her mom and November and all that but a lot of people seem to have this fixation with working with the number 11 we come back to this we, we, we are talking to someone they're a bit busy at the moment but let's see what we can sort alright 0818969696 now to Mitchellstown uh, Derek is on 5 you say Fiona Derek good morning PJ, how are you? Good. You're ringing me on behalf of two families who I think you say are a bit too nervous to come on air themselves, and that's fine. What's going on? Yeah, well, I'm ringing you on behalf of one family that have got in touch with me, right? but I do know of another family in the area. Right. Uh, both families have been made homeless in the last few weeks, right? And the problem comes down to lack of housing. There is absolutely no rental stock in the area for the families. Yes. Absolutely none whatsoever. Right? The, uh, the one family that I have been on um, in touch with, um, they can't even stay with family because family are full. So what they're having to do is right, they're having to sleep in their car overnight. Oh, God. Right? Now, this is, this, this is a young family. How many people in a car, Derek? Well, look, um, some nights are better than others, right? Because some nights they can manage to get the kids into some relatives' houses if they're lucky. Yeah. But the two parents sleep in the car every single night, and some nights the kids join them, right? No, this isn't a problem localized to Mitchellstown, PJ, as you know yourself. Oh, yeah. This is nationwide. It's happening up and down the country. I had another woman, also from Mitchelltown, may I add, um, contacting me this morning, and um, she's got young children, and she's facing being homeless um, at the end of the month. She she cannot find accommodation. Um, yeah. We were reading in the paper, sure, in the last day or two, and it was reported in the news as well, that there's a surge in people being told your tenancy's coming to an end, a surge in evictions at the moment, which is desperately sad to see. Well, yeah, I've also heard about a policy, and it might uh, speak to that. I've heard, though I can't confirm it, but I have heard it from several different sources, that the government is offering over and above rents for houses that agree to take in Ukrainian refugees. Well, you hear all sorts of stories like that, and, and some of them are true and some of them aren't, but you've got, yeah. you know, you've got, you, you, I, get, I, get, I get what you take. But the, these, yeah. well, the one family you're dealing with regularly, and then there's another family you know of, and you're hearing of, of others, and like you say, it, it is all yeah. over the place. Look, I would be... I'd love to speak to them if they would like to speak to me. I appreciate yeah. that they're very nervous and they feel ashamed, which which they shouldn't, but they do. I, but, I know, but look, right, you know how it is. If they want to talk to me, the people living in their car, um, I'd, I'd be only too delighted to do so. But thank you for bringing it to my attention and thank you for your call. It's an awful situation. Big night ahead tonight. Big night ahead. Big, exciting evening in Cork City. Counting down 
to the Cork's 96 FM Best of Cork Awards. There's an event happening tonight, Tuesday evening, at which all the winners will be revealed. Just stay tuned from 7 and you'll hear them as well. There's a €5,000 media campaign from Cork's 96 FM up for grabs for one lucky winner as well on the night. So stay listening. Follow our social pages this evening. Find out if your favourite wins on the Best of Cork Awards 2022 with localheroes.ie, your place to find trusted gas boiler installers, plumbers, electricians and much more. And the awards presented only, of course, with Cork's 96 FM. Now let's go to line six. This was to do with Sharon. Uh, 9.40. Can we make 41, maybe? We'll see. We'll see. Hold on. Fergus, good morning. Director of the Irish Parachute Club. How are you? PJ here, Fergus. PJ, is it? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You were listening to Sharon. You heard Sharon. Well, I, I didn't actually. I'm up here in the mid I'm a bit, a bit out of coverage, but uh, okay. I have an idea that she's, she's looking to do a skydive with us. She, well, she doesn't do a skydive for Marymount, but she doesn't know the first thing about going about organising it. Okay, well, just to give a, a, a little bit of context, uh, the Irish Parachute Club, we're based just outside of Eatonderry in County Offaly. We're operating since 1956, and it's the largest skydiving or parachuting centre in Ireland. And it's the only venue or location that you can actually come in and learn the sport of parachuting from scratch mm. right up to international competition level. And then in the last kind of 30 years, to add a bit of um, um, adventure to it, the tandem jump in particular uh, has caught the pub- public mind. And that's basically where you walk, well, you walk, you're booked in for a particular day. And uh, you are going to jump from one of two altitudes at our at our club. The maximum we would do is thirteen thousand feet, um, and you would basically do um, about a half an hour of induction stroke training. And you're in a harness attached to a qualified tandem master, and he's wearing the equipment. He has the experience. Basically, you're there for for the fun and the experience of free falling, without you requiring uh, you know a lot of training mm-hmm. and a lot of experience. So that's, that's basically what the tandem is. Is there a lot goes into getting ready for something like this, Fergus? Well, there is from our end, from our end of it, it is for the individual, not necessarily, uh, depending on by what way. There's some, a lot of people do it for sponsorship, like, like Sharon, where they're helping a, a cause or an organisation. Uh, and the bonus is that you're going out fundraising for your, your particular cause. And the, and the bonus for that is then that you're getting to do a, a fairly unique experience that is still a minority experience in Ireland and worldwide. So that, that, that's the bonus. So for the club itself, yes, there's a lot of regulation and, and oversight that, that has to be applied, obviously, yeah. to uh, manage a facility like our own. Not just like throwing a knapsack on your back, hopping into a plane and jumping out at 13,000 no, feet. No, 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 no. I mean, our, our club, as I said, uh, PJ, it's a 20-acre dedicated facility. Uh, we have two jump aircraft. The biggest one is a Pacific Aerospace 750. And depending on the weight of the number of people on board, but in theory, you'll carry up to 17 people. Uh, and that can be configured, uh, you know, any combination of, of different types of jumpers. Right. And uh, we have a smaller one than a Cessna 182, which carries four jumpers. We have the largest complement of instructors and equipment in that we have about 20 tandem parachute systems. and. You know, an off-the-shelf price of those is about eighteen thousand euros per system. I got you. And uh, um, you know, then each, each all the equipment is is um, packed by qualified packers, and then they're overseen by 
um, riggers that actually check them on a regular basis to make sure the equipment is, 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 is fully intact and there's no repairs need, uh, necessary and things like that. Okay, okay, and you do all the training and all the teaching and you fit people up with the kit and you go, do, do you, are you one of the instructors, for example, Fergus? Do I'm you, not an instructor, no, I'm one of the directors, the five directors, it's a limited company, we're classified as a not-for-profit organisation because although it's profitable, the money it makes goes back to reinvest it in the facility and, and, okay. and, and in our operation. Right, it's, so, it's 9.44, um, Fergus, so I'm going to pause there because 44 being 4 times 11 and Sharon has a thing about 11, so that's the point at which I bring her in on 9.44. Sharon? Yes, 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 I'm you're talking. Here. You're talking to Fergus, who can help. <laughs> Hi, Fergus. No, that sounded very Hi, Sharon, how are you? I, I, I'm great. If, thank God I was on mute because if you heard me here with the girls, I was like, oh, sleepy Jesus. But no, no, it all sounds good. It all goes good. No. Um, <laughs> you're committed to it now, woman. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm there. I'm there. No, it sounds like, yeah, that sounds very good. Like, I'll definitely get your number and I'd be in touch because um, so far there's about four or five of us doing so. When you said the big airplane carrier, do you know, that 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 could be a, a goer. The more the merrier. Right. I can't believe I'm actually uh, saying it, uh, but I like the way you're talking about safety. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, just, I suppose, just board. put it into context, Sharon, like the tandem masters that would be jumping you or anybody as a passenger, in order for them to be able to do that, they have to have a minimum of 500 jumps done at a very experienced level. And yeah. then, they have to attain, then they have to attain a tandem master rating. And right. that involves them doing a lot of training, a lot of tandem jumps, both as a, a passenger with a, a qualified examiner and then jumping experienced jumpers as their passengers. Okay. And then the last hurdle, once they, once they complete that, the last hurdle they must overcome then is a, a, what's called a class two medical, which is similar to an airline pilot medical, and that's an annual medical. Yes. And in the, in the same way with all our equipment, all the equipment, uh, all our parachute systems have a little small uh, computer device commonly known as an AAD, an automatic activating device, that God forbid anything would go wrong, you know, on the jump, that that fires the reserve parachute at a predetermined altitude or speed. And do so, I have to pull that now, or that will automatically go off? It'll all be sorted, Sharon. Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to do? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let you guys talk off air, Absolutely. right, yeah. and see yeah. where we go with this. But we you've, now, you came to me a half an hour ago, and you had no idea where to start. Now no, we no. have someone who will help you to start. So off you go, Sharon, and we'll talk closer to the jump. How's that? Thanks. Absolutely fantastic. Thank All right, and, and Fergus, you put you guys. We put you guys on on in contact off the air. Fergus McDonnell is director of the Irish Parachute Club based in the Midlands, and Sharon O'Mahony, who came to us wanting to do a parachute jump for Mary Mountain. She had the I donate and all that. We've got the. Uh, fundraiser. The link to her fundraiser now is on our Twitter. She wants to raise eleven thousand euro. Um, the whole eleven thing. It's big with Sharon. So either eleven or twenty two. Do you see what I mean? So look, we've, we've, we're halfway to getting it all done, which is a nice half an hour's work on the opinion line. Thanks, Fergus, and thank you, Sharon. 0818 96 96 96. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out.
Big Drive Home, weekdays from 4. On Cork's 96FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. When you're heading home every evening, make sure you're with me, where it's all about the music. There's impromptu sing-songs. I'm on that track, I'm forever. There's in-car karaoke. There is a girl in the car behind me. Gotta sing it out, loving life. And you take control of the playlist. Hey, Lorraine. I'd love to hear the new song from 1975. So for all that and more, join me weekdays from 4. The Big Drive Home on Cork's 96FM. Now, I'll come back to this, the, the traffic arrangements that came into place this morning. If you were to look at Twitter, uh, before nine people would have been saying it was the greatest disaster of all time. But we're getting responses in that say, actually, no, it's not. And some people are saying, actually, it worked just fine. Which, I guess, Twitter can be an awful cesspool at times, but still. So, I'll come back to those comments. Uh, it's not, apparently, as bad as some people were making it out. 0818 96, 96, 96. I want to talk to Fiona Burns, and I want to talk to Fiona about little Luna. Hi, Fiona. Hi, how are you? Good. How is Luna at the moment? Um, at the moment, she's doing well. She's stable. Okay. She has a thing called SCID. What's that? Yes. So it's a severe combined immunodeficiency. That basically means that when she was born, she was born with no immune system and she can't produce um, T cells or white blood cells to fight off infection. She has no immune system. Wow. None whatsoever. (laughs) And how did you discover... She's four months old now, Fiona. How did you discover this? Um, she was always being monitored really closely for um, her weight um, because she had always had a problem with that because she was seven weeks early. And we just went up to the hospital and I knew there was something else wrong with her. It started off as a bit of a cold. And I said, this is not a normal cold for a baby. Mm-hmm. There's something else wrong. Mammy always knows, doesn't she? Yes, because I, I kind of demanded really that they do mm. more tests up in the hospital. Yeah, so they found this thing. Yes. Okay. What's what has to happen? She, she, can it be treated first of all, Fiona? Yes. So there's a curative treatment, um, and that is getting a bone marrow transplant. So, so very we tiny, are. Yes. She's she's very, very tiny. She's only, she's seven pounds. So she's very, quite small for four months old. She's still only seven pounds. Yes, when she was born, she was only, um, she was 1.26 kgs when she was born. So she was only a bag and a half of sugar when she was born. Crikey, crikey. And now she's less than four bags of sugar. She's a poor little thing. I see a picture of her, right? She's tiny. She, yeah. <laughs> so she's got to have a, a, a bone marrow. Yes. So for the bone marrow to work, she'll need to have um, chemotherapy first to wipe out the few cells that she actually has that are white blood cells. Um, so I, I know that's that's going to be difficult for me kind of seeing her go through that. But um, we know that once she gets it done and she can get the bone marrow, then that after... Uh, six months to a year that she should be like any other baby that of her of that age. Okay. So, so this is this is a curable thing if they can get the yes. chemo to work and the bone marrow to work. Yes, exactly. So, 
So, so where do you have to go and what do you have to do? So we were from Cork originally. Um, we were transferred to Crumlin Hospital as soon as they found out that she had had skid. And we were there for two weeks and then we got transferred over to Newcastle in the UK because um, it's the Newcastle Hospital and the the hospital in London are the only two places in the UK and Ireland that actually do bone marrow transplants for skid. I see, I see. And, And do you know where the bone marrow is likely to come from? Are you guys compatible, her mum and dad compatible? Um, so I'm not compatible, um, but her father is a half match and he actually came over to Newcastle yesterday and he is going getting um, tests done to see okay. if he'll be actually viable. Okay, so you're in Newcastle right now? Yes. Okay. okay. And what's, what's, what's it like day to day over there? I mean, she, she, like you said, she's, she's stable. Like, you're always fearful when she has this thing that she'll pick up an infection or something, yeah? Yes, so she's stable, which means that she's um, very much isolated. It's very, she's been isolated since the 9th of July. Um, So she hasn't been outside since then Mm. um, because she can pick up anything. And it is very much like... um, very secure isolation over here, especially in Newcastle. Right. There's a specific ward just for patients with skid and their infection control protocol is absolutely amazing. You need to wear masks. You need to wash your hands three times before you even get to her room. Right. Oh, you can um, get into her, can you? Get in and hold her and yes. feed her and stuff. Uh, yes. So we're allowed to pick her up and to and to hold her. Um, they just kind of don't want us to really be giving her like lots of kisses just in case we have anything mm. that could be passed on to her. But we're allowed to hold her if we're not feeling any way ill. Mm-hmm. Like we can go in to see her. Right. Right. Now, it's an expensive time for a family. Yes. <laughs> and is is there help? Is there is there is there help from the state? No. Um, her actual f- treatment is is paid for, but for accommodation for for me, I have to book into hotels um, because they don't have parent accommodation in the hospital like they would over in Ireland. Yeah. So um, it can be it can be quite difficult, um, and then sometimes they have kind of little camp beds that you can that you can use in the hospital if you don't really want to leave. Right. Yeah. So. So you have to be there now for the next what three maybe four months, and you're looking for support for that. Um. Yeah. Well, we were originally told that we were going to be there for three months. Then we got told it was going to be six months, right. but. Now it's looking like it might be a bit more. We're not too sure. It all okay. depends on how her transplant goes. I see. And and Dad is over and back, is he? Uh, yeah, well, this is the first time he's been able to come over now. We've been here for just over a week. So this is the first time he was able to come over because he has to stay home to be with our other two children I know. No. Um, and to work. Right, you're staying all the time, are you? You don't want to leave yes. her side? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's difficult yeah. it's, with, it's, it's with them being over in Ireland and me being over here. It can be scary. Sometimes it can be very upsetting and scary that she's going through all this at such a young age. And she was 
so so small when she was born that we just I feel very protective over her. And are the are the are the doctors confident? I mean, they're always brilliant. Are they confident that they can? They're they're very confident that this will that this will be a curative treatment for her. That she should be absolutely fine. And, and there's nothing like a Ronald McDonald House like in Newcastle that there'd be, or a Brew Columbanus no. like we'd have it. No, nothing. No, nothing like that over here, unfortunately. Because okay. if there was anyway, the hospital would tell you and they'd help you. Oh yeah, um, I know the hotel that we have been looking into. They do special rates for parents who are staying okay. with kids in the hospital. So they do. They give a percentage off of okay, the rooms which is when good. when they which know. Is yeah, you're, 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 you're still going to need a lot of help. Yes. I know, I know, I know. So you have a GoFundMe set up. Where can we? It's support little Luna's skid journey, <clears throat> like you say, SCID, like you say, her treatment is covered and, and that's great but you need to be there so you need to be looked after too yes so her treatment is covered oh by a very good friend of mine from the red cross her name is laura she's been a great help um with everything um so she has set it up uh so it's to pay for accommodation for food because it's not supplied for me in the hospital after for my own for my own self um and then there's for um things that we might need over here such as nappies and then if there's anything that's needed for the family at home because they are it's just my partner that's working and then we have the other two children so it's it's to help out them as well okay well we'll share that we'll share the details of that and and uh, keep us posted as to how she's doing yeah are you going in to see her now uh, yes, we're on our way. We're going to be on our way now to see her <laughs> in a few minutes. Okay. All right. Well, here's hoping that it all goes really well. The doctors are confident. And you know what? When doctors are confident, that's the best bit. Yes, exactly. All right. Okay. Listen, look after her. Look after yourselves as well. I know it's hard for you being on your own over there with her, with, with your partner over this side. If there's anything you need at any stage, Fiona, just give us a bell and we'll see what we can help you with alright that's that's good that's Fiona Fiona Burns uh, Luna her treatment first of all the doctors are very very confident that it'll all work but mom is going to be there for could be over six months now and she needs support little Luna's skid journey S-C-I-D the lines are live and we're ready to talk can we just talk Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Very mixed responses to the new traffic arrangements in Cork this morning. Twitter sort of lit up before 9 with people cribbing and complaining and saying how much of a disaster it all was and gridlock and all of that. And I've no doubt when we get into the dirty, cold, dark mornings of winter, it'll tell a slightly different story. However, oh, it was a... Okay. Um, The... I'll come back to that. Uh, But the traffic responses from you, the listeners to the programme this morning, is a little different. It's a lot different, in fact. Most people contacting us saying, actually, it seems to have moved quite well. So we will come back to that. 0818 96 96 96. But first of all, I want to go to the UK to catch up with a Cork woman 
who, when she was just 19 years of age, took over the family business following the sudden and untimely death of her dad. Um, Her dad died when she was just 17. And at 19, she took over the family business. The family business is now a household name in the UK in waste disposal and all other connected businesses. I speak of O'Donovan Waste, multi-award winning company known the length and breadth of the UK, particularly around London. And Jacqueline O'Donovan joins me by phone from the UK. Jacqueline, good morning. Morning, Peter. The minute that I saw your company's logo, I said, I know who they are. But I didn't didn't know that it was a family business from West Cork originally. Tell me the story. Uh, Yeah, my mum and dad uh, both were born in Goline in West Cork. Uh, Dad moved to Dremel League when he was five um, and then came over in the 50s and sent money over um, to bring mum over and they got married in London. Now, Dad died very young. Uh, you were only what? You were only 17 when he died, and you took over as MD at 19. It was a daunting challenge. Yeah, I don't think um, at the time uh, we really thought about it. Dad died at the age of 51. It was very sudden. It was only three weeks after my oldest brother's wedding. Um, so it was totally out of the blue. I'd actually only been back um, one day from West Cork. I'd spent three weeks in West Cork and come home, and he died the following day. Um, and I think it was just all hands to the pump, uh, there's four of us in family. I'm the youngest, uh, and then there's my older brother Michael, sister Caroline, brother Anthony, and we just all put our shoulders to the wheel. And I don't know. I just morphed into the MD role at the age of 19, mm. and the rest, as they say, is history. I don't think I thought about how young I was because I think when you're 19, you think you're really old. <laughs> <laughs> There you are at, at 19 years of age getting into a very male-dominated industry. Look, looking back on it now, what do you... What, what, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it as a male-dominated industry. I think back 35-odd um, years ago, I don't think, uh, you know, male domination was talked about. So it was just a case of the job needed to doing. So we just all got on um, and, you know, we all had senior roles within the business and we just we just picked up the gauntlet and ran with it. Okay. Now, it's, it was an industry with not very many women in, in, in leadership roles. Does that detract or discourage other women to join an industry or a business like this? Yeah, um, I'm still the only female MD in London and one of three, we think, in this industry in the UK. So, yeah, we are very uh, <laughs> very low on numbers. Um, I suppose it's the dirty end of the industry, um, which doesn't attract females uh, very, very easily. Um, it's a great industry. When you come into it, you never want to leave it. Um, so I do my bit for going out speaking and trying to encourage women to take the leap into the uh, waste management side of things. What's attractive about it for a woman? Um, there's lots of men in it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, it's it's just it's it's. I suppose I enjoy a challenge, and it's it's challenging in itself. Uh, um, that you can you can you can get up that ladder fairly quickly if you're willing to and every day is totally different from the last um it, it's so diverse 
Um, it's it's just such a, a great industry to be in. People uh, have great stories, and yeah, there's just such camaraderie. It's mm. it's unbelievable. Yeah, I watched a, a lengthy interview with you on on YouTube. You're almost entirely self-taught in this business. Oh yeah, yeah. I ran out of school sticking two fingers, waving two fingers in the air uh, at the teachers. Uh, little did I know I should have paid more attention when they were talking to me. Um, so yeah, I had to learn um, as all of us, all four of us did, as 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 it came at us. Um, mm. did, I think my, my my biggest challenge was when the bank manager told me he was closing the bank account because we were all far too young to run a business. Oh really? That happened, did it? Yeah. yeah. How did you respond to that? Well, at the time, I just had to go, oh, mm, uh, let's move on. Uh, so it was an Irish bank that my dad banked with, so I moved over to another Irish bank, and, um, yeah, I, I was with them until they sold out of the UK recently. Right, right. Now, your Irish heritage is so important to you, plus your your return visits to West Cork, which I think are as frequently as you can, maybe even up to up to once a month. Very, very proud of, of your Irish heritage, Jackie. Oh, massively, yeah, massively. Um, I think it's so important that we uh, recognise and appreciate that, uh, you know, what our parents went through. Um, you know, they came over when it was um, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Did that, uh, and it was, did, that, did that actually happen? Like, you hear many, many stories, oh, yeah, that oh, happened. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? Did you, like, did you see or would you have seen that as a thing, no Irish, no blacks, no dogs? <laughs> I didn't because I was the youngest, but the older, uh, the older brother and sister uh, recite uh, different events that, you know, gangs that they had to go round in, the Irish kids had to go round in gangs in, in Kilburn because uh, they, were, they were classed as second-rate citizens and they would often be attacked. Uh, they'd get into gang, gang fights and things like that because they were Irish, although we all have uh, an English accent. Uh, we consider ourselves Irish. Of course you do. Yeah, and of course, so many Irish people around the time that your your dad did, your parents did, went over and and made great careers in the UK and and raised families and got into places places like Kilbourne and a big Irish community. And is London still a place, Jackie, where a young Irish person needing a start can get one? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. Uh, it's it's quite um, it's quite amazing to see now that what's coming over from Ireland are more academic, so they're more sort of solicitors, accountants, that type of um, jobs they're looking for, as opposed to back in the day it was labour work that they were looking for. Um, and I'm proud to say that we're we're supporting the London Irish Centre in bringing all the archives together about the men that built Britain. Fantastic. Yeah, so really exciting project that uh, hopefully will be ready by September. So, yeah, no, our, our roots are very, very important to us. Um, and, yeah, I think the stories should be heard and the stories should be in history, yeah. There was a thing where a young Irish person arriving in London, uh, they were told, look, go to that pub or, or go to that club and talk to him or talk to her and that at least get you a start on Monday. Does, does that still happen, Jacqueline? Not so much the pub, but it definitely still happens as in, oh, uh, my sister rang me and her, she's sending the niece over. Have you got anything in the office that you could give her to do? So on that level, it's still, you know, the Irish still are very well connected with each other and uh, the Irish community is massive uh, in London and outside London. Yeah, your work with the Irish community, you were awarded by uh, President Higgins 
for your work with the community. You're you're a woman who has, and I, again, it's a quote from from an interview. You've got a bigger trophy cabinet than than most Premier League football clubs <laughs> for your work <laughs> over the years, <laughs> and you yes, take I it have. all in your stride. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I see. It, I see it as a job. Yeah, um, I love what I do. Uh, I wouldn't do anything different. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm just yeah, uh, and and the team around me enable me to do what I do so well. Yeah. On a beautiful morning like this, you must miss West Cork desperately. Oh, I do, yeah. I booked my tickets yesterday. Did you? Um, I did, yeah. Uh, I do. I've got the view of the Fastnet Lighthouse. I absolutely love it. I, I, I just, I don't know, the minute I get off the plane, the shoulders go down and it's just a <sighs> moment. How often do you get back, Jackie? Um, I try and get back at least once a month um, if on a, only on a flying visit to check her. Uh, my uncle is okay and he's uh, fit and well uh, at 89. So, uh, and then I try and get back at least about five times for at least a week on mm. each time, yeah. Good. I was, again, this interview that I watched with you, you, you don't get stressed. You, you say there's no point in getting stressed and that it's, it's kind of a business model for you or a work ethic. You don't get stressed. There's no such thing as a problem. It's an opportunity. Yeah, I, I don't believe in stress. I think that's a figment of one's imagination. Really? I think that yeah, I think that people just build things up um, in their own mind, uh, and that everything that comes at you can be dealt with. Uh, so when a member of staff comes to the door and says that they've got uh, got an issue. Um, I turn around and I say, no, what's the challenge? And we talk about it and then I give them options and they go off as happy as Larry picking one of the options. <laughs> that's why you're, that's why you're the, the head of the business. If you were, I mean, it was possibly this, I suppose you probably thought about this question and the answer is irrelevant because you've done it anyway. But like if it hadn't been for dad's sudden untimely passing when you were so young, do you think you'd have gone into the business anyway? No, no. It was um, it was never even thought of that um, girls would would do such a job. Really, um, I was going to be a childminder, and I was off to Germany to an RAF base. Uh, so yeah, um, Dad bless him has saved the children. <laughs> <laughs> and if there was. If there was one thing, that's very funny. If there was one thing, lastly, Jacqueline, that you'd credit your success, like if there's one secret to the success you've enjoyed as a family business, and particularly yourself, what do you think it might be? Gosh, I don't know the answer to that one, Peter. Um, I suppose determination, yeah. yeah. I think as a family, we were very determined and, you know, there was a job to do. Mum needed looking after. She was only 48. Uh, so, yeah, we all, we all put our shoulders to the wheel and, you know, to this day, we all work harmoniously every day with each other and socialise and live within five minutes of each other. So, yeah. Really? Um, a typical Irish yeah. family then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, some people are very surprised that we manage to work and live and socialise together, but it just works for us. We don't know anything different, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's so... And that, that's actually so Cork, let alone being yeah. so Irish. Yeah, you know. yeah. Is, is Mum still with us, Jacqueline? She is, yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's fitter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I go home and she's hanging out of a tree, chopping the tree down before the gardener gets in. Ah, good for her. Good for her. It's lovely to speak with you. As I said, a minute I looked at the logo of the business. Last time I was in London, I saw those skips. 
So yeah, it did. That's it, yeah, so yeah. we're red yeah. and white for the court colours. <laughs> a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people think it's a football team in England, but it's not. It's the red and white for Cork. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. All right, Jacqueline O'Donovan, managing director of O'Donovan Waste, a huge firm in in London and a Cork family business going way back. Thank you very much, Jacqueline, and continued success to everyone at O'Donovan Waste. And uh, enjoy your next trip back to beautiful. Goline. See, we're running the world as Cork people. Running the world. Mary says on email, there has been no chaos this morning. I got through the city quicker today than I have in an awful long time. The usual traffic levels. Can we focus on the right things, please? And Harry, by email, says the new traffic layout is wonderful. Once drivers get used to it, it will improve the flow. It's happening already this morning, even with some hesitation from drivers and some still finding their way onto Christie Ring Bridge, turning right. Looking forward to the buses I regularly take to work, being unimpeded by private cars, using the city as a through route. Hopefully the council will take this as an opportunity to decrease pedestrian wait times at junctions like Emmett Place to Christie Ring Bridge and Patrick Street to Patrick's Bridge. And Paul on WhatsApp says the problem with drivers in Cork is that when changes are made, they don't take the new arrangements into consideration. They just continue with what they were doing for years, blocking junctions, and then they get angry about it. Thanks for that, Paul. Actually, one thing that has changed, I come in in the morning, it's just a route that I've got so used to. I'm doing this with, I'm using this route into 96FM, I would say, with five years. Easily five years, possibly more as I come in the Grand Parade, I cut down the Cold K onto the quay there and I turn left onto Christie Ring Bridge and I come across, I turn up there by the garage and up in here and I park my car when I can get a space, I park it on Patrick's Hill they did some work on Pine Street uh, last year as a result of which, the little cut-through right turn that you could do there is gone and still blocked off. So now you have to turn off at the garage. And honest to God, whatever they've done with the traffic light sequence, I sat there this morning stewing in my own juices for four minutes trying to turn right at the garage. I don't know what's going on there, but that's my route into work, which hasn't changed as a result of this. It's if you're coming from the other side... So, mixed responses to it this morning. Mixed, mixed reactions to it. Some people saying it's a disaster. Others say, no, actually, it'll be grand. It'll be fine. Just give it some time. 0818 96 96 96. Right, that Facebook post. It was a Facebook post about someone who was spiked. I wanted to get the message out there to be careful. We'll do that next. And we just talk. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. So I'll come, I'll come back to it, Fiona. And we'll do that, that spite story in, in a few minutes because I know I want to just move on for a moment. You will have read recently, uh, and if you listened to her or followed her blogs or read her writing, uh, you'll have known that she was passionate and, and she was brilliant what she did. I speak of uh, Dame Deborah James, who died recently at the age of just 40. She was a campaigner um, about on the subject mostly of cancer, bowel cancer, and she she had a, a programme, 
and a podcast called You, Me and the Big C. Uh, Deborah was a mother of two, diagnosed with bowel cancer in 2016 and she fought it to the bitter end and passed away uh, not that long ago, a few weeks back. And bowel cancer in young people is something we don't, we don't think about. We kind of assume bowel cancer is an, is an older person's illness. Uh, and that you start to have to worry about, old, about bowel cancer, say, in your mid to late 50s and not before. But that's not the case. Um, and that particular story to do with uh, Deborah James kind of illustrated that in a very, very public way. I wanted to talk for a little while today with Sinead Power, who is a cancer nurse at the Daffodil Centre in CUH. And we'll come in at that point, um, Sinead, the, the impression about bowel cancer is that it is not a young person's disease. But when Deborah got it, she, she was only in her early 30s. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Good morning, PJ, and thank you for having me on this morning. Um, yeah, and in Deborah's case, um, it was actually a very um, sad case and, as you say, a very public case. But I think, as you say, it definitely puts across the point that while statistically bowel cancer would be associated with an older population, so we'll say from 50 onwards. Um, But definitely what we're trying to do in the Irish Cancer Society is get the message across that it can affect people at any age. And I suppose similar to all cancers, really. Mm. Um, I suppose there are statistics there, as I say, that would say, you know, certain age groups are more prone to certain cancers. But I mean, there is always um, a risk that a person not in that age bracket can get Um, we'll say bowel cancer in this case. We all know our system, so to speak, Sinead. You know, Mm -hmm. you you know when your bowels are working properly and you know when they're not. But some of it is just routine stuff. You feel a bit off and it's grand after a few days. Are there symptoms that we should watch out for that would be red flags that we should immediately contact our doctor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are definitely symptoms that we all should be aware of, PJ, regardless of our age. So... Uh, firstly, a change in your bowel habit, and you're correct, we all do know our system. So if you're noticing a prolonged change in your bowel habit, and what I mean by that is that, you know, if you're having maybe bouts of diarrhea where you wouldn't have had them before, or maybe bouts of constipation, and of course, if you're noticing any blood in your stool, and I suppose talking about bowels and stools and that is quite you know, it's it's a bit taboo, to be honest, Mm -hmm. and people don't like discussing it. But um, while we... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. He would say in the Irish Cancer Society is that you know, nurses and doctors, we, we've spoken about all types of things to people. So what I'd say to the public is don't be afraid if you have a problem, you know, with your bowels or with any part of your body, actually. Don't be shy to say it to, like, we have a daffodil centre here in CUH and one in the bond. So we often discuss um, problematic symptoms with people and advise them on what to do. Yeah. So also to contact your GP, you know, if you're worried about anything. Yeah. Is that why people sometimes sort of keep something to themselves for longer than they should? Mm. Because they feel they feel icky. They get the ick talking about it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I suppose a lot of it as well, PJ, can be fear. And it could yeah. be maybe if they've had an experience of cancer in their family or yeah. a friend and they're just too frightened to go. But I mean, definitely all the research would say that the earlier you go and get something checked that's worrying for you, the, the better it can be dealt with well, for you. Something so, we've, we've yeah. learned um, through our work with the Cork's 96M Giving for Living Radiothon over the years is that bowel mm-hmm. cancer, even even from 10 years ago, bowel cancer was so much more treatable and so much more curable than it was even 10 years ago. The advances are incredible. Absolutely. And I suppose there are treatments tailored to every patient and more and more cancer treatments are becoming more specific to each patient. So we have targeted therapies, immunotherapies, you know, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, surgeries, so every patient will be different in what they need. So that's important yeah. for people to know as well, not to compare themselves to maybe somebody they would have known in their yeah. community or in their family. So everybody's going to be different. Yeah. What what kind of things are yeah. risky? I mean, can we can we minimise our risk? I mean, or is it just something yeah. that hits people at random? Hmm. Now, in some cases, there are family histories. So some some families have inherited bowel conditions. It's called family uh, familial polyposis. So in that situation, they will be very much followed and, you know, they would be on regular screening programs. But for any of us who don't have uh, an inherited risk of bowel cancer, yes, there is lots we can do. So our lifestyle is very important. Um, and definitely the research now is saying that, you know, highly processed foods and, you know, high quantities of red meat. I'm not saying not to eat red meat, but definitely to get a balance between um, red meat and other types of food is mm. good. Um, try and eat, eat fresh foods more so than processed foods. And I know there are times when we're all going to eat processed food because maybe we're rushing or, you know, it's convenient for us. But to try and get a balance between all of that. Um, your weight as well is also a factor in developing bowel cancer. So we should all try and keep active and um, try and keep our weight under control, try to stay within a healthy weight. Mm. Um, smoking, 
smoking and alcohol would be two other factors. And I suppose smoking, as we, we, we would all probably know at this stage, that smoking does contribute to lots of health conditions, um, not only cancer, but heart conditions, lung conditions. So mm. it definitely is um, risky for us. Mm. Um, and also um, alcohol, you know, in moderation as well, um, to, to kind of, you know, be, be aware of our consumption sure. of alcohol. If, if yeah. anybody is worried about themselves or about a loved one, what's the first step? Phone to the GP? Hmm. Yes, the first step is to make contact with your GP. You know, if you have worrying symptoms, um, and you definitely should make contact with the GP. And I suppose we do know that during COVID, it has been difficult for people to get in touch with their GPs. And, you know, we, we appreciate that. But definitely not to stay at home with a worrying symptom. Um, you know, definitely get that checked. Um, and we have, as I say, two daffodil centres here in Cork, one in the Bonds and one in the CUH. Um, so our numbers, do you mind if I give you our numbers please, here, if there is any please, queries? Please. So our CUH number is 021-423-4536 and our bonds number is 021-494-1941. And we also have a cancer support line. It's a free phone national support line. Mm-hmm. It's one 800 200 700. So, I mean, we can guide people if they have any worries um, and we can support patients or relatives if they have any support needs. All right. Sinead, thank you very much for your time and for your work, the work of yourself and all of your colleagues. So those numbers for the Daffodil Centre at CUH is 021-423-4536. In the bonds, it's 494-1941. And the National Helpline is one eight hundred two hundred seven hundred. And speaking of cancer, it would be remiss of me not to mention this morning uh, the passing of. And I was quite shocked to hear it last evening. The passing after her long, long battle with cancer. Although in her case, it was breast cancer. The passing of Olivia Newton-John, um, star of. Greece, a movie which we've probably all watched a hundred times, turned into a movie from a stage show. I thought it was the other way around, but it wasn't. It was a stage show first, then a movie, and it turned her into a global star, herself and John Travolta. That was 1978, but Olivia Newton-John had about a hundred albums, and she dozens and dozens and dozens of hits. She sang, she was born in Britain, grew up in Australia, sang in the Eurovision Song Contest for the UK with a song called Long Live Love. And she'd massive hits. She the, the hits from Greece, which is one of the best soundtracks you'll ever hear. Uh, Hopelessly Devoted to You was a massive hit. Magic, she had a huge hit called Xanadu. She had Physical, which was at the time many many, many places banned it. But it was just a, a song about being in the gym, actually. Well, kind of. And then Sam was a gorgeous song. and all that. She was just... And I was trying to think of a word for her. And look... I don't propose to play any of her music today, but if you want to find her music, just go into wherever you get your music, um, be it Spotify or YouTube or Amazon or wherever you get your music these days, and just search her name, Olivia Newton-John, and look for the Grease soundtrack if you've not heard it before. I know what I'm going to do this afternoon when I go home and I've all my work done. I'm going to go straight back into the Grease soundtrack and listen to it. Um, and I was trying to think of a word for her. Just trying to think of a word for Olivia Newton-John. 
And the word was lovely. She was just lovely. Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Following the trio's first instant sellout show, which received rave reviews, On the Road Again, An Evening with Fiekno Vrainon, Tom Dunn and Alan Connor comes to Cypress Avenue on the 24th of September. Tickets are on sale now from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Over 40 years, Aslan have had numerous chart successes, toured the world, broken up, made up and given us some classic songs such as This Is and Crazy World. Celebrating their 40th anniversary, their tour comes to Sea Church at Ballycotton on Thursday 18th of August with limited tickets left. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer on Cork's 96 FM. Now, Fiona, this is a, a Facebook post about someone or from someone who was spiked uh, and they wanted to kind of get it out there that people would just be, be careful because this is what happened to them. Yeah, that's right, PJ. And we just wanted to bring it to our listeners' attention. As you said, it was a Facebook post that went up over the weekend by this 19-year-old lady who was out with her friend in a town in Cork and um, it was her local. And she said that she was chatting, having a drink. And the next thing she remembers is that she woke up in CUH and she was told that she was spiked. And she goes on to kind of um, explain what had happened. And it's a really frightening experience. She said, that um, like her best friend was with her the whole time so she was able to tell her everything that happened and she had passed out twice for a short period of time and then she passed out um, and she was unconscious and unresponsive on the street for 45 minutes to an hour. Then she had a seizure and she says the fire brigade and ambulance service were extremely helpful um, where she was brought to CUH where she had a second seizure and the past few days she said have been a roller coaster where one minute she's fine and the next she slips out of consciousness and she hasn't been able to walk on her own since this happened. She said she's undergoing many different tests and seeing doctors to figure out what has caused this. Um, she's home now, she's doing better and she's on the road to recovery um, and she's hoping that this isn't leaving her with any long-term conditions. And she goes on to say that she's aware of people being spiked all over the country and we have seen so many posts recently of people who say they've been spiked on a mm. night out and she just wanted people to realise the dangers and the consequences that this can have on people like herself and she really didn't think that anything would like like this would happen to her especially in the town where she's from and she can't understand why somebody would do this to somebody else and she wanted people to make sure that when they are going out to be mindful and careful and when they are enjoying themselves just to make sure that they take precautions and we've heard this time and time again from people you know to to mind your drink to cover your drink if you're going away make sure that you know you leave your drink with your friend um, and you know if you are going out with <coughs> excuse me if you are going out with a, a friend to make sure that you stay with your friend and that yeah. you're not alone and um, that's what this this lady wanted to highlight on this Facebook post and we wanted to bring it to our listeners attention no, today because I think no, it's an important point yeah never leave your drink unattended always try to leave it with with somebody if you can somebody that you know and trust but it can happen to anybody it can happen anytime happen any place happen anywhere you are never to blame it's the person who does it to you who is to blame but it can happen thank you for that 
uh, Fiona. And again, the message is, and we're coming back now to college. We'll be back in a few weeks and the leaving certs will be out in a few weeks and they'll be going out to party and party they will. And so will the college when they come back and people will be spiked right left and centre. It's an awful problem in our society and we've talked to so many people about it, to experts, to victims, to students' union leaders who've come across spates of it. It, it continues and, and there's not a lot we can do to stop it. So in, when you can't stop something you just push for people to be aware and to be careful. 0818 96 96 96. I'll be reading this before we finish. Someone has contacted the opinion line to ask me to change our attitude to pigeons. So what? Now, change our attitude to pigeons. They're not lovely. They're not cute. They're horrible. And they're dirty. That's not going to go down well. I don't think. But I'll read it in a while. First of all, I have a book in my hand. And, okay, so imagine this. Your children are playing a game in a park or wherever they play them. Simple game of hide and seek. And then the game is over. And you can't find one of the kids. And there's a moment of panic. And everyone's heart's in their mouth. And eventually the kid is found. And I'll go home. We'll do our thing. It's happened to us all. What if you didn't find the kid? What if a kid was never found? And what if decades later the secrets began to unveil themselves? That's the subject, the central subject of the new book by Andrea Mara, which is called Hide and Seek, and she joins me. Andrea, good morning. Good morning. That was wonderfully creepy. I kind of got a bit creeped out there. So I was wondering if if you could just introduce the book in every situation and capacity from now on, because you're very good at it. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the premise. And that's most of your books, I think, the ones I've read at least, they're all sort of start from this little kernel that, yes, it's a fantasy and yes, it's Many, many threads woven together, but they start with something. You like to start with something that could happen to anybody. Yeah, I sco- like all the other ones, it is based on something that really happens. So it's that whole kind of everyday parenting thing that, as you say, we've all been there. We've all lost sight of our kids in various situations. And I'm I'm definitely not the only one who's lost sight of a child during hide and seek. But then it's going home after it and going, oh my God, but what if you never found them? So it's the what if of the everyday scenarios that usually end absolutely fine. Yeah. And of course, at the other end of it then, the premise of this book is that little Lily isn't found and that Mm -hmm. decades later, someone else moves into the house where she used to live and then the secrets begin to unfold. Slowly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a family... 
Yeah. <laughs> so the family, I was quite taken with the idea that we, we had just moved into a new house when I started writing this. And the idea that when you move into a house, you don't necessarily know a lot about the history of the house and just chatting with people, you know, how would you feel if something very tragic had happened in the house? And some people would say, oh, it doesn't matter. A house is a house. And other people would say, oh, I don't know if I could live somewhere with a tragic past. So Joanna, the main character in the book, she moves into this new house and she's all delighted and then she's chatting with her neighbor and the neighbor is kind of saying oh yeah so you're in that house from where that child disappeared and she has no idea that this this happened that the house has this tragic history and then she starts googling and realizes it's a little bit closer to home than she could ever have imagined no spoilers here but yeah the other thing that i guess is very true to life is if a house has a past um, and you move into the house with a past, you might say the same. It's just a house. The past has nothing to do with me. Then you realize, oh, hold on. People around me know more about this than they're saying. And they're mm-hmm. uncomfortable with me trying to find stuff out. Why? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like in in so many places, whether it's urban or rural or suburbs, which this book is set in the suburbs, um, there are always people who grew up in a particular housing estate, move away, come back, or maybe have lived there all their lives. So again, that's a little bit drawing on real life for me and this estate that I live in, in Dublin. There are people who've been here for, you know, families for two generations. The houses were built in the 60s. So people do know, like people will tell me, people on my road will tell me about my houses, previous owners and the parties they used to have. And so, you know, it was, it's all very good stuff and positive stuff but if it wasn't that's interesting isn't it you know yeah yeah, but you know don't talk about the friend who went to the house one time and something very strange happened you what no no it's okay I've said too much now I've said too much now (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly it's always fun to imagine what's going on behind closed doors what's going on behind those curtains the other thing about it is in in, in this writing and in your your other books remember the last one all all her fault you you paint the picture of the curtain twitcher you know, they're always mm. being watched mm. and it's a difficult yeah. living living in the suburbs anywhere where you move in as a newbie. Yeah. And everybody's watching and wondering. Yeah, what and think. like you just, you kind of, if you live anywhere urban or, or suburban, you just have to accept that everybody's kind of in each other's pockets and you just have to be okay with it. But like, I mean, you know, you look out the window, you can see into your neighbor's garden. I remember when my kids were small, and I used to be like closing the doors and the windows so I could get properly cross when they were just really, you know, misbehaving because everybody could hear you <laughs> if you started shouting with the windows open and the doors open. I, I will add that I didn't shout too much yeah, we, we all <laughs> but, have that yeah like it. we all have that spot <laughs> in our house as well don't we andrea we all have that spot in our house that if we stand sort of two paces to the left we can see everything in the neighbor's garden but they don't know we're watching Okay, I'm really glad I'm not the only one who has done that. <laughs> That's very reassuring. But yeah, exactly. And I suppose we're kind of curious creatures, humans, so you can't help wondering about what's going on everywhere else. Your, your, your books are 
they continue to impress every time you bring a new one out. And I, I've said this before, and I've, I've said it many, many times. My, my favourite writer in the world ever is is Harlan Coben, who who has this uh, this gift of you go what the hell, <laughs> and you can do that, Andrea Mara. You do it several times in a book. Oh, that is a huge compliment. Thank you, you go, very much, Highland Coben. And then you go back two pages and you go, oh, she was telling me two pages ago. <laughs> well, that, that is a huge compliment because Highland Coben is the, is the king of the, the short chapters and the cliffhangers and the that's twists right. and the that's twists right. on twists. So that's, that's huge. Right. Well, this you. is the latest. It's, go, it's going well for you. It also looks at issues like parenthood and single motherhood and all of that and first time motherhood and how busy you are and how you're always trying to keep an eye on kids and how you're judged as a first time parent. Yeah, exactly. Or, or sometimes even not always how much we're judged, but also how much we think we're being judged. And there are definitely characters who are feeling judged. And that's, I would take that from real life too. You know, you hear people going, oh, I know your one at the school gate was looking at me because I gave him a packet of crisps to keep him quiet. And you kind of think, I wonder where they, or, you know, is everyone just so busy with their own lives? They don't really have time to be judging for you giving your child a packet of crisps when you absolutely just needed a little bit of peace and quiet or to stop the tantrum or or whatever it is. But I suppose we all judge ourselves and then we project that onto other people. So there's a little bit of that in the book as well. And straight away people are always asking, do we ever find out what really happened? Well, I'm not going to tell them and I know you're not either. Because <laughs> that nope, would be a spoiler. But it's all in the book. That would be a spoiler. <laughs> Listen, I'm so looking forward, Andrea, to talking to you at the Spike Island Festival. Uh, next, next I can't month. wait. I'm so excited about that. And I saw the picture of uh, all our names on a bus shelter in Cork. <laughs> and that was like the first time on a bus shelter. It was very exciting. Yeah, I'll be chatting with, with yourself and Michelle Dunn uh, on the Sunday night mm-hmm. at the festival. So looking forward yeah. to that. Listen, good luck with I it. I, I don't even need to wish you luck. I know it's going to be another storm before you. Uh, congratulations. Andrea Mara, latest book called Hide and Seek. They're all on, if you've gone on holidays... That book will, you can either take a hard copy or I'm sure it's on Kindle and all her other books are on Kindle and download them. My, my Kindle was bursting going away on holidays. It's still bursting. <laughs> what did I do? Did I buy more of I was out there? Of course I did. Andrea Mara, Hide and Seek. 0818 96 96 96. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96 FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Big, big, big. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Fierce excitement now around the building about tonight's Best of Cork Awards final presentation. Fierce excitement around the building. We'll tell you more 
uh, during the day and stay listening after seven tonight to see if your favourite one in their particular category. Sheila, I'll read it again in case anybody missed it before the news, but Sheila, do do you agree with the person who got on to us about pigeons? Hello. Uh, Well, I said the Fargate Peter, I hate them, but hate is a strong word. I'd say detest. Why? Between my washing, as I go to iron it, I have to throw them back into the machine because it's destroyed. Yeah. I don't have that. I'm out washing it every day and the car is destroyed and let's face it, it burns the paint in the car. You sure they're pigeons now and not other things because I had a problem out the back with starlings in the summertime. No, it's just pigeons and it's, I, my husband only knows said last night the past couple of days is after getting easier which is because I'm not hosing it every night but with the warm weather or not but I swear to God they're a nightmare. <laughs> Okay. Uh, now, do you know what? I was tempted to get a pelican. Ah, Sheila. I'm telling you, no. Well, I mean, you know, PJ, if you were to wash every day and not have to pay electricity. I oh, I know, I know, I know. And I. I but you see, not washing them once. I know. You see, you, people race them and they keep them as pets and they breed them in their sheds. And I heard of one man who bred them well, in his kitchen, but that's you, another thing. I would, there wouldn't be no one living next door to me with them. <laughs> Sheila, thanks. <laughs> That's gas. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now the message that came in was from this person who rang up and said, "Look, we need to cop on with regard to pigeons. The council cleans Dawn Square every day, but it's destroyed then because of the feeding of the pigeons. In London, they fine you now for feeding pigeons. They have falcons to scare them away. That bit I didn't know. Where I live up in Farnry, there's about a thousand pigeons, and they used to be." I think it's because people are feeding them. Birds carry disease. Let's not forget that. They were on the planet before we were, so they can live without us. But feeding them is causing concentrations of them, and it's very unsanitary. And after decades of realizing, or decades of regarding them as a feature, in London they finally come to realize that they are unsanitary. And maybe we should too. I understand that to some people they're adorable, but knowledge moves on. And we really shouldn't be generating this level of fouling. I don't know. I, 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 I like pigeons. I do. I do. I wouldn't be keeping one now in a shed or, as I heard one time, in a kitchen. I wouldn't be keeping a pigeon, but I like them. They're nice. Um, oh, and the, the, the guy who feeds them down Dawn Square is a kind of a... He's a tourist attraction in himself. 0818969696. So it's only last week we were chatting about uh, hedgehogs on the programme. And there's a lovely event coming up uh, at FOTA uh, to, in Heritage Week about hedgehogs and counting hedgehogs and research into hedgehogs. But what I didn't realise is that there's a problem around Cove and around Great Island in particular with poor misfortunate hedgehogs ending up as roadkill. Look, it's dark at night and hedgehogs go out at night to feed and to, well, to to look for the ride, basically. <laughs> and the poor devils get killed. They get driven over. Hendrik Verway, good morning. Good morning, PJ. There's, there's a particular problem in, in Cove with, with hedgehogs, isn't there? I'm not sure is it, is it a problem, but, uh, you know, I suppose it has certainly created an awareness because um, last week, Dr. Mary Stack... Um, posted on Facebook that she had picked up another hedgehog near Carrigaloe and if anyone knows Carrigaloe it's, it's the section 
I suppose, between Fota and the Cross River Ferry. Yeah. And I suppose the problem there is there's a, there's a railway on one side, so there's a big high wall, and on the other side there's a, a stone wall, um, you know, along the seafront or, or the ground that, that overlooks the sea. So I suppose what's happening is the, the poor hedgehogs are getting corralled into a, a place where there's no escape, I suppose. And, you know, I, I think the lessons to be learned from this are, well, I suppose, number one, you, if motorists just slow down and I think that's that's a message that needs to go out there mm. for lots and lots of reasons but I suppose the other one is that I suppose there's stuff that we can all be doing to help to help nature and wildlife and I suppose one of those I suppose we need to become more aware of what's around us and of course the event in Fota which you know has been booked out I, I suppose as a result of this but um, you know and, and there's an ongoing survey because there's not a lot known about hedgehogs and what they do and what they get up to um, and I suppose it's a, it can be a real citizen science kind of project coming up and, you know, we'll get that sort of information. But I suppose there's stuff we can do, um, you know, you see on the continent where they put bridges over motorways specifically for wildlife to get from one side to the other. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, on Great Island, there's stuff like that we can do um, to help hedgehogs out, yeah. be it maybe, maybe signage, but maybe a a pipe under a road, it could be as simple as that. Yeah. Know, for, I, I remember yeah. driving in, in the valleys of Wales um, years ago um, and coming to this, and the Welsh valleys are full of tiny little villages. And in between two villages, there were these signs on the side of the road, you are now entering a hedgehog safety zone. And I wondered, what the hell is that? And quite simply that, they had, as you drove along, you were, you were asked to be, be beware of the road because they could be wandering around the road. So it was a place where they liked to cross from one habitat, if you want, to another. And the only road was this little road through the valleys. So you were being asked to, to, be, to be wary of hedgehogs. Let me bring in the, the aforementioned uh, Dr. Mary Stack. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Henrik. Uh, we talked last week. They're, they're, just, they're lovely little creatures and they're harmless little devils. But when they go out for a wander they can quite easily end up under the wheel of a car. And because of certain geographical things they have to encounter, some of them are too close to the road anyway. Yes. And I think, like, obviously, through our development, and it's ongoing development, and the Great Island has seen really extraordinary amounts of development in the last couple of years. We are, you know, naturally disturbing their environment. Mm. And while we're creating new commercial areas, new housing areas. We're only paying lip service, I believe, to the wildlife that's there. And that landmass that Henrik was talking about, the main road in from Cove to all the way from Belvelli into Cove, I mean, traditionally all around Carriglow area, IFI area, you'd see beautiful gorse fields, particularly from the Passage West side. And like all those natural areas have been come under threat and reducing down. So what happens then is that where does your wildlife go? Yes. And my point really is that we're very good at saying we have biodiversity plans, we, our habitats, critical studies have been done, everything's under threat, but they, all these reports, they're on some shelf somewhere or the implementation of those actions is not being seen by the public. Yes, yes. So if you look at it now on the main road into Cove, we put up these concrete defence walls, taking away our beautiful stone heritage from Belvelli into, into Carry the Law. We put up, um, Irish Rail have put up very safe, secure fencing for the train line, um, paved the green, all fine. 
remove a lot of the, the shrub and the hedgerows. But again, that's all the basics that the wildlife needs. That's their country. Yes. So yes. what we're witnessing down on that stretch by IFI and the rail line uh, is um, secure fencing for your traffic, uh, crash barriers for your traffic, okay? And um, but we're totally ignoring the other people who live in the area. And they, they have no councillors um, ringing up and, and putting forward their defence cases. <laughs> yeah, you know? gotcha. They have no one to represent them. Gotcha. So what you said about that village in, in Wales, it's obviously, it's out there. Those people over there have obviously been through that and have taken some kind of action. Yeah. And I think it's time now uh, for us to try and take action and say what's left there. Because the one I picked up a couple of days ago, I mean, if she was pregnant, that's her family probably wiped out now for this summer. So, oh, you yeah. know, we're down the whole family and you're going to have natural wastage anyway. Yeah, but yeah. Like, they're going to cross the roads if there's no other place for them to go. Because their, their habitat has been overtaken by, by structure and, and they, they still have, they still go around the, their area. Like, they still wander the same distance and they go looking for food and they go around at night looking for mate and stuff like that. And, and all they, they don't know that it's a busy road. That's just where they always go. Yeah, Exactly. And like a, a lot of people would have seen, and uh, last year um, it was a group, I think, of citizens, um, again at the at the stretch of the railway line uh, and Marina Point, and they're uh, cluttering around and looking at this fencing. I mean, you you could be forgiven for uh, finding it funny, but they are all congregating. They are looking to cross the railway line, looking to find their natural path, and uh, you know, basically they're they're sticking their heads through the fencing, and how can we get through? So, go. like, they can't read the science. They don't know it's there to protect humans. Right? That's right. <laughs> but, uh, but what's the alternative for them? And also along that stretch at the other end of the Marina Point is where the badgers seem to get killed because yeah. you have your, again, your fencing butting up against our new concrete walls, right? And then there's no passageway for uh, badgers to, to cross safely. Yeah. So they're getting, they're getting hit then by cars trying to get out of the way. So the, mes- the message is to drivers in that particular part of, of Great Island, just be wary that you're driving through their habitat and they're going to be on the road, so just be careful, drive slowly and avoid them. That would be very helpful, all right? But it's not the answer because as long as you don't have the safe passageways for the wildlife, they're going to be they're out there at risk. It's like you or I trying to cross a busy motorway on the Carrie and Middleton Road or or the road up to Little Island, you wouldn't do it. You yeah. wouldn't say... So what would you propose, Mary, when we need the roads I, and we need the structure? The, yeah, I, I, I am not a, an expert in this area. Chemistry is my background. But I know that we have the um, the Hedgehog uh, um, seminar coming up on Saturday and hopefully Elaine O'Reardon might have some interesting comments to make because this has been done. You know, the people have walked this walk before. Yeah. And they're, they're you know, we, you have your your experts in that area who might come up with very simple solutions of what to do as, as long as we can identify the points. So right. hopefully, look, we, we need to protect our wildlife. We don't need to just talk about protection. We need to be, you know, walk the walk is what I'm saying. Yeah. Henrik, um, and thank, thanks Mary. Henrik, uh, you know, with one of your other hats is Cove Tourism and visitors and stuff like that. You'd be encouraging people, look, just be wary, drive slowly, keep an eye out for wildlife, and be careful. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, I suppose we're lucky. There's there's a number of ways to get to Cove, and you can come by bus, you can come by train. But if you know, a lot of people do drive, and I suppose you know, just slow down and be aware of of your surroundings. And I suppose you know, 
I, I don't know what all the rushing is about, to be honest. You there know, you we were very good during COVID to slow down and look around us and see what we had. And, you know, we were very lucky in COVID in that respect. But then COVID disappeared, for want of a better word. Mm. And everyone is racing around their place again, you know. And um, I think, we, you know, we need to be aware of our surroundings. We need to be aware of other other people and, and the wildlife around us. So. Okay, all right, all right. Listen, Hendrik, thank you. Hendrik Vergway of Cove Tidy Towns and Cove Tourism and Mary Stack, Professor Dr. Mary Stack. Thank you very much. 0818969696. It only came to mind when I read this this morning. Uh, being in Wales, this is a few years ago now, I was driving through Wales and I got lost, I got waylaid off the main road so I ended up driving through the valleys and it's absolutely stunningly beautiful part of the world and very safe to drive and, and lovely so we're going between two villages and I came into one village and there was this kind of warning of a hedgehog safety zone so by the time I got to the next village I was starved with the hunger and I needed to put some petrol in the car so there was a little garage and a shop and I pulled in and I got a sandwich and whatever and filled up my car and I said to the guy I said what's the story with the with the hedgehog and he just laughed he said everybody asks that when they come through here he said when they joined the road between the two towns little villages they had to widen it and resurface it and they discovered that there was a huge hedgehog sort of nesting area sort of a habitat for hedgehogs on one side of the road and they used to wander over to the other side of the road. And there was no real safe way to do it. So they just asked people to please, please slow down and be wary of the hedgehogs. Uh, that's, that's cute. That's so cute. 0818 96 96 96. Counting down to Westlife with the biggest pre-parties on Side. The biggest pre-parties on Side. Cork's 96 FM. Yeah. Big weekend coming up at Parky Creep, Westlife, Friday and Saturday. So, to coincide with the big weekend, we're putting on big, big parties, the biggest pre party on Lee's side. You're joining on Corks 96 FM on the boardwalk at Tequila Jacks, Friday and Saturday from 4. We'll bring the vibe for Westlife to town. The lads will be there on the decks, various 96 men presenters on the decks, and the street plate will be there, and there'll be giveaways and prizes and freebies. Tequila Jacks from 4 on Friday and from 4 on Saturday with Cork's 96 FM. The weather is going to be stunning. It's going to be a great night for a concert and a great afternoon for a party before it. Only with Cork's 96 FM. He's the titan in the 10-gallon hat, the global country music giant that is the honorary Irishman, Mr. Garth Brooks. Morning, Garth. <laughs> How are you, sir? Hey, this interview's over. I enjoyed it. That was... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, well, what is the plan? Do you think you're going to make it down to Cork? Uh, will you get a little helicopter spin down to, down to the south of the country, Garth? We do not do helicopter spin. Uh, we have the time to travel. Wait, wait, when you say you're going to have time to travel, you won't need much time to travel because, you know, like Ireland is the size of one of your malls over there. So you'll probably see it in about an hour. <laughs> I can tell you this. Yeah. There won't be a second wasted. Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noldc.com. Open 24-7. On the pigeons. Pigeons are manageable in the city. 
but not in housing estates. Seagulls are a bigger problem. Yeah, I, I don't know. Has anybody had their chips robbed by a seagull so far this season? I, I know it happened before, and I'm thinking down at the marina market where people can get their grub and bring it out onto the seats and of course you're down there in in the dockland and there's seed, seagulls everywhere has anyone have their their sandwich robbed or their chips robbed or worse still their MKT burger robbed while they're trying to eat it by a seagull now, it does happen they like ice cream as well I'm told but I've never had the experience thanks for that oh, yeah, 0818969696 how would you like to Improve your nutrition and your health over a 12-week period and while also learning more about how to eat in a more planet-friendly way. Because you can do both together. There's a new study underway. It's a collab between UCC, UCD and Queen's in Belfast. And volunteers are being sought to take part in this 12-week study. One of the people involved is Ursula Leonard. She's a PhD researcher at the Human Nutrition Studies Unit at Cork Centre for Vitamin D and Nutrition Research at UCC, which is an interesting title for a research centre. Ursula, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Lovely to be with you. Vitamin D and Nutrition Research. I may tell you this, about 10 years ago, after I came home from my holidays, I started taking vitamin D every day and the benefits of it you can't you can't overestimate them it's 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 fantastic nope. it really is fantastic <laughs> now this 12 week study what's it about and why are you doing it yeah, so the My Planet Diet Study, it's funded by the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. And like you said, it's an all-Ireland collaboration between UCD, Queen's, UCC and Chagas. So the primary aim of the study is to reduce the greenhouse gas emissions of our diet. So greenhouse gas emissions is one metric you can use to measure environmental impact. And it includes gases such as carbon dioxide and methane. Um, So what we've done is we've designed a diet that has lower greenhouse gas emissions and we're interested in learning if this diet lowering greenhouse gas emissions is acceptable. So if people can actually follow it and then we'd also like like to learn what impact that diet might have on nutrient intake. So we look at both nutrients that people eat in foods and we also look at status in, in, in biological samples like blood and urine. And then we'd also like to learn were there any other changes in other body measurements such as body weight, blood pressure, and really just, I suppose, to learn from the participants what changes they made, how they find it, is it something that they could follow long term? And essentially, we're trying to curb excessive consumption and find the right balance for the maintenance of good health mm. for both people and the planet. So you're, you're really looking to see if there's a connection between eating in a way that's better for the planet and at the same time, benefiting our own health. You're trying to find a connection there. Yeah, that's exactly it. So right now, food accounts for around one third of global greenhouse gas emissions. So that includes emissions produced when growing crops and raising animals, land use and and at land use change where things like forests are converted into land for growing crops. And then it also includes processing, transport, packaging and retail. So there's, you know, that's the kind of full life cycle of of the food system. Mm. And um, different foods produce different amounts of emissions. And typically animal foods tend to 
produce more emissions than plant-based foods. Mm. So if we were to kind of illustrate that, for example, ruminant meats like beef, so they would produce around 28 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent. So that's the unit they use to measure it um, per kg of food product. So if we were to compare the same amount of foods, white meats like chicken produce around four kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalents. And then looking at plant based proteins like legumes and pulses, they're much lower coming in at around 0.66. So depending on the foods we eat, there is a really big difference in the uh, greenhouse gas emissions. And what we're trying to find is is the right balance. So getting the, the correct amount of nutrients into the diet for health and then also keeping greenhouse gas emissions, you know, at as low a level as possible. You would think that uh, one imported and two processed foods would have a bigger carbon footprint if that term is still used. But that's not necessarily yeah, the case. Not necessarily the case with with food miles, like you said. In you know, eating what we eat makes a bigger contribution to uh, greenhouse gas emissions compared with um, where food has come from. So the transport element is quite small. But when we look at processed foods, you know, a lot of the time um, they are displacing kind of healthier whole foods in the diet. So one of our big aims as well is try to move back towards a, a whole food diet. So that's opting for things like fruits and vegetables in their whole form. You know, um, opting for really healthy forms of carbohydrates. So an example there would be opting for potatoes rather than the frozen chips or waffles. So we are trying to curb um, excessive intake of processed foods as well. I guess that just makes common sense. A fresh potato uh, is infinitely better for you than, you know, Mm -hmm. chips or waffles or that kind of stuff, you know, tasting all as they might be. A A fresh grown local potato boiled and, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing to compare and it's no mystery yeah. that's better for you. So who who do you want to take part in this? Yeah, so we're recruiting adults aged 18 to 64 who eat meat most days. Um, so what we have is we have a screening questionnaire that will determine if someone's eligible. Um, so that can actually be found on our website, which is www.myplanetdiet.ie. So if anyone was interested in taking part, that's the first step. And then if someone did decide to take part, what kind of happens throughout the study is, firstly, we'd ask them to record their diet on three days before starting. So that's what we call as their baseline or their starting point. They then come into the the study site. So I'm based in UCC, so they will come in um, two times at the beginning and end of 12 weeks. During the visit, we collect things like blood pressure, body measurements, a blood sample. They do some questionnaires. And then I, as a nutritionist, take them through the changes that are required to the diet for the next 12 weeks. So we provide a personalized report that would give you an overview of where you're currently starting and where you need to go in order to align with the recommendations. And we also give an overview of nutrient intake. So we touch on the kind of main important nutrients to give you an idea of where you're currently at right now. So then participants go home and they follow the diet at home for 12 weeks. We provide tips on, you know, meeting recommendations with different examples of combinations of foods, portion sizes. We provide a sample meal plan and tips on planning meals because that's one. some of the feedback we've got from participants um, already enrolled is a lot of the time they've, they've wanted to make changes, but they just weren't sure how. So the study provides that support network on how to actually make these changes. I imagine with the kind of things that you're recommending, you'd also be cutting down on food waste. 
Yeah, absolutely. So approximately a third of all food produced is lost or wasted. So that, you know, that's making a significant contribution to greenhouse gases because all of the resources used during production and transport um, never benefited anyone. And not only that, landfill sites also produce emissions as well. So and, and on top of that as well, it costs a lot of money to waste food. Um, so simple things that we would be recommending there to kind of, you know, make a change um, or, or help reduce food waste would be taking a stock take before you go to the shop and um, making a list and try to stick to it and avoid promotions on perishable foods, things like that. So that's one of the things we will be tackling and, you know, using leftovers for dinners and lunches. You know, recipes like soups and casseroles are really good ways to use up vegetables kind of that might be left in the fridge. You're not really sure how to make them. So it's all about being practical yeah. as well. Yeah. And learn learn to make a good omelette. You'll never have stuff left over either. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, you talk about drinking tap water and you encourage people to drink tap water. Let me tell you, uh, Ursula, I drink a lot of water, right? I, I just, mm-hmm. every day. But I can't touch tap water. There's just something about it. I can't drink it. I'd buy, I drink bottled water. Um, is that just a matter of weaning myself back or what? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe trying some kind of filter as well. Um, yeah, I think the, the whole thing around tap water is just, it, it, it's the best option if you are able to make a choice. So if you have a choice between clean tap water versus buying bottled water or other carbonated drinks, then tap water is the best choice. It just has the lower overall emissions. So we would just recommend it as best we can. I don't really have any tips on yeah. how to make it no, uh, I think taste I, any better. I, I, you know, you, know you, you kind of say, right, it comes out of the tap and we put it in the kettle and we boil the spuds in it and we whatever and we cook in it but there's just that different taste it's almost like it's almost like you can taste every yard that it has traveled now that's completely imaginary isn't it but it's just a it's just, yeah. just a mindset I think so, because I think, you know, some people notice it more than others. I, for one, don't really notice it, so I don't have a problem with tap water. But I suppose, like you said, it's just about weaning yourself off the bottled water. (laughs) MyPlanetDiet.ie is the website where people can start if they want to look into taking part in this 12-week study into eating better and protecting the planet at the same time. Ursula Leonard, thank you. 0818-969696. Yes, says Robbie in DHL. Robbie says, yep, I had my dinner stolen by a seagull outside my house. <laughs> Thanks, Robbie. Now, Laurie Shostrom, you run courses and life coaching courses for parents of children with specific medical diagnoses. Uh, Let's talk about that to start with. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you. Yes, you know, um, there's nothing so amazing as holding a child in your arms and having them giggle. And um, what I do is I help parents who have children that just got a diagnosis get back to that joy because there is nothing so overwhelming and nothing that makes you feel so helpless and frustrated when you get a diagnosis for your child because you wish you could take it away and you know you can't, right? So I, I help parents bring joy back to their home and make really good decisions without second-guessing for their child. And that brings them the sense that they can provide a bright future for their kids 
And I'm on a mission to help them do that. So, yeah, that's what I do. Because when you get a diagnosis for a child, be it a medical condition, be it a neuro neurodiverse condition, be it whatever, there's, as a parent, you go through all sorts of mental torture. You, you blame yourself. You, you, oh, yeah. you, you, you are completely befuddled as to what to do next. I recall it when we got my son's yeah. diagnosis of autism when he was nearly four. My wife was much yeah. better at it than I, but I was very, very bothered and frustrated by that. I didn't handle it well at all. Now, thankfully, everything worked out and he's great and whatever. But I, I trying to deal with a diagnosis of any kind, it's not what you expect. It's not in the script, is it? That's that's the problem. And what happens is the blame game. Um, you know, I must have done something to deserve this. My child is innocent. Why is this happening to us? Um, all of these kinds of questions come up. And, and then sometimes finger pointing to your partner. Well, you must have done something wrong. Um, did you have the right vitamins while you were pregnant or, you know, have you done something to make your child feel this way? Is that why they're so sensitive? And all of this stuff goes on. And it's just these demons in our heads saying things to make us feel even more pain. Mm. And what we need to do is recognize those thoughts and say, hold on a second. That isn't me. Mm-hmm. That's just a nasty thought that's helping to fuel the agony that I'm feeling because I shouldn't feel good if my child is suffering. Yes, and that's hard too, because once once you deal with the diagnosis and you get on with life as best you can, there's almost a sense that, well, you why are you laughing? Why are you smiling? Yeah. yeah. You're not supposed, oh yes, you absolutely are. But it can be hard. It's very hard for parents yeah. to deal with. To deal. And that's what you do. Yeah. Um, Well, you see, PJ, children are very intuitive. You think that you can put on a brave face or you can be strong for your kids, but they know, they know that you're not really happy when you're just pretending to be. They know that you're worried, that you're distracted, that you're frustrated, that, and it has something to do with them. And that is the worst burden that you can put on your child's shoulders because Children do not think that their parents are at fault for anything. Children think their parents are perfect. So if something isn't right, it must be the child's fault. And so we have to make sure that the parents are minded, that the parents are well in the way they feel about themselves. Because if they are truly strong and not just pretending to be strong, Mm. then their children will sense that and their children will thrive. When, when you, and and that's when you contacted hmm? us, Laurie, you you wrote in detail about who these parents are, and I thought it was remarkable because the one thing you feel as a parent is this is the I am the only person, or we are the only people that this ever happened to. You're absolutely not, but that takes time yeah. to grasp, and once you grasp that, Laurie, it's life changing. Absolutely. And, you know, PJ, sometimes all it takes is one 90-minute session with another parent who's gone through it 
to make you realize that you're not alone and you can you got this because as a parent there is nobody out there in the world who knows more about your child than you do i mean you know when your child sleeps what they like to eat what sounds disturb them what situations put them at ease nobody knows your kid better than you do and yeah you don't know as much about say heart surgery as a, as a surgeon would or you don't know as much about um, neurodiverse issues as maybe a um, psychologist would but the thing is is that you know your own child and when that specialist says something to you and you question it Instead of questioning it, you question yourself and you're saying, what do I know? I'm just going to blindly follow what this specialist said and hope it's all right, but you're not sure yourself and then things go pear-shaped. What, what you need to really do is you need to say, I have a right to ask questions and to inform myself and to be confident with what's going on. When the specialist says this thing that I don't understand, I have a right to ask more questions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Not not only a right, Laurie, but I, I'm, I've had, you know, parents come to me when when they've had a, dads in particular, who've come to me with it when they've had a similar diagnosis on their kid. And the one thing I always say to them is, you are entitled to ask all the questions that you want to ask. And once more, you have to. Yeah, it's your duty. Yeah. If you want to advocate for your child, you can't do that if you're not well informed. There you go. There you go. Now, talk to me about this event you've got coming up. Well, I'm on a mission to help local businesses help families because when families know what's out there to support them, then they can say, oh, you know what? I don't really get what the what the what this person is saying, but maybe this other guy knows. And I heard about this guy. Who, who's got this business. If you don't know what businesses are out there or what services are available to you, you don't know what questions to ask. So what I'm doing is I am putting on a big event because too many people are unaware that they have options. And so I've decided to take a step to change that situation. So on August 20th, just after the farmer's market or around the time the farmer's market is closing up, The Family Fun Day celebration at my place community center in Middleton, just opposite the Super Value, is opening its doors at 1 p.m. And for just 10 euro, a family of four can come in and there will be music and tarot card readings. Holistic practitioners are there, skincare consultants, singing bowl, sound room. Um, If you have a child with neurodiverse issues, you would be amazed at how wonderful the sound room is for them. Mm. And there's so much more available too. So I think it's a great opportunity for parents and families. And also it's not too late for local businesses to register and to come along and let people know that they're there. I mean, there are music teachers out there. There are yoga instructors. There are, uh, play therapists, there are people out there providing services for families. Mm-hmm. There are party, um, you know, people who run parties. Uh, yeah, party organizers. You know this really amazing party organizer from long ago? She did science parties. Oh, my gosh, they were fantastic. Yeah. 
And it was all done for me. I didn't have to do anything. That made my life so much easier. And those are the people that should be here telling parents that, you know, that they've got stuff. So, and, and, and you're yeah. trying to organize as many as possible of them to come on the day of the 20th of August and to just be there for the parents and be yeah. there for the kids. I know that, we, that you can be contacted, Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, at Um I'll, I'll spell that out because your second name, the spelling of your second name, uh, I'll spell that out in a moment. And Laurie, I wish you well with that. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful idea what you're doing. And as a parent who went through those difficult years, and when I discovered I wasn't alone, the joy and the value of that... You can't yeah. buy it. You cannot buy it. Uh, and, and you really can't. And the sooner you find out, the better. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to be going around Middleton this afternoon to businesses with a little invitation to everyone just to let them know. So if anyone listening sees me, I'll be wearing intense yellow trousers, a white tunic, and a gray fleece. So stop you and say hello. The, I'd love to chat. You need the fleece, Laurie, on a day like today. <laughs> I'm a chilly girl. (laughs) (laughs) Laurie, thank you, and good luck with it. That's Laurie Shustrom. If you want to email her to get involved in that, it's Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, at laurieshustrom.com. L-A-U-R-I-E-S-J-O-S-T-R-O-M.com. S-J-O-S-T-R-O-M.com. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 On Quartz 96FM. I remember walking into the middle of this thing years ago and wondering what on earth was going on. There was a Ferrari on one side of a road. There was an Aston Martin. There was the most incredible cars roaring and revving their way through Cork a few years ago. I had no idea what it was all about. And someone said, it's a cannonball run. Alan Bannon, you're coming back. Good morning. Good morning, Peter. Um, thank you for having me on board. Yes, uh, we're coming back. Kinsale uh, will be our lunch stop this year on Friday, the uh, 9th of September. And we also have a fuel stop in Circle K in Formoy on the same day. So it's great to be back. Last year, we had a, an overnight in Cork and we had a huge turnout. So we love Cork. Uh, Kinsale this year is our lunch stop, and it's a free event for everybody to come down and see the cars. Mm. It's fascinating. They're incredible motor, motor cars. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, this is going to be our largest cannonball ever, and we're very proud of the fact that, you know, we survived COVID. Um, we're established since 2009. Um, you know, and it's very exciting for us. I mean, we actually could have a lot more cars um, that we'll have on Cannonball this year if you can get the hotel rooms. We'll have over 200 cars, and that's a big mix of Lamborghinis, Porsches, Ferraris, Maseratis, all the cars you mentioned there. But the other side of it is we have a lot of novelty cars. We've got an amazing Ghostbusters car that's been fully restored um, with a big light show and a sound show on it. Brilliant. We have the Back to the Future car, and we have a few other surprises in there as well. So, oh, you have um, a DeLorean, have you? We have a DeLorean, wow. and uh, yeah, everybody in Cannibal gets dressed up. So you'll see the Ghostbusters going around with the Ghostbuster suits, and you'll see the Back to the Future guys in the as Doc yeah, Brown that, and Martin. Revisiting so my youth with the DeLorean. So it's all for charity. It's all for the Hope Foundation, a Cork charity. So. 
Cannonball is a limited company, always was. We partner with several charities over the years. Since 2009, we've raised one just under 1.3 million. Last year, uh, we were partnered with the Hope Foundation, we raised 135,000, and we're hoping to do uh, somewhere in the region about 250,000 for the two years combined. And it was set up by an amazing corporate woman, you're right, uh, Maureen, uh, Maureen Forrest, and you know, it's only when we got chatting to Maureen and we understood a bit more about the charity to realise that, you know, a thousand euro goes a very long way in India. Huge. You know, and some of the programs that we fund could be a classroom of thirty children and you educate them, you put uniforms on their back, you have food ready for them every day. And some of those programs cost so little, you know, in comparison to what you know, you see here. And uh, this year, one of my personal goals is to buy a minibus for one of their centres. And um, I'm delighted to do it. Um, I've, I think she's an amazing woman. Uh, serious energy. And um, it's, yeah, it's a great fit for Cannonball. So I'd like to partner with the whole Brilliant. foundation for the second year. Okay. Well, do, look forward to seeing you on the 9th September with the Lamborghinis, the Ferraris, the McLarens, the Porsche, the Rolls Royces, the Bentleys. And the DeLorean. <laughs> Can't wait. Yes, yes. Can't wait. Alan, congratulations on putting it together one more time and look forward to it. And they'll be coming through the Circle K in Formoy, onto Kinsale, and then leaving for the Brehan in Killarney. It's 200 cars uh, going over 1,000 kilometres of Irish roads. The Cannonball Run 2022 arriving in Cork, 9th September. Thanks, Alan. Just before we go, can I remind you that we're looking for your time again. We want 10 minutes of your time to go on our 96fm.ie website and help us to pick the music we play and your chance as well to win a 100 euro pennies voucher. Just go there and vote for the fresh new music that we play and you could be shopping for free. It's a 10 minute survey. It's the Cork's 96FM music panel. Help us to choose the tunes and win a 100 euro voucher for pennies. Go do it now at corks96fm.ie. Yeah, one or two more people coming to say that they were robbed by seagulls. <laughs> I've never had the experience, but I'm just thinking, and I mentioned the marina market, all the outdoor, I imagine all the outdoor dining that's going to be down there today on this spectacular afternoon. Watch out for the seagulls, lads. Make sure there's no seagulls robbing your food at the Marina Market today. I think that's about us done. It is. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. If you're going along to the Best of Cork Awards tonight, we'll see you there. You stay tuned after seven to hear if your favourite one. And we'll talk to you tomorrow just after nine. Westlife Play Parky Queens this Friday and Saturday. So we're throwing the biggest pre-parties on Leaside. Join Cork's 96FM on the boardwalk at Tequila Jacks each day from 4. As we bring the vibe for Westlife Live. Catch Cork's 96FM presenters on the decks alongside the street fleet. With freebies up for grabs. Freebies up for grabs. Tequila Jacks, the only place to be in Cork City. Friday and Saturday from 4pm with Cork's 96FM. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.